Welcome to Parsha Partners, the podcast that aims to put the pupil and the pill back in the study of the weekly Torah portion. My name is Aviv Matskin, and I am extremely fortunate to be a teacher in a Jewish day school in the heart of Silicon Valley. Fortunate because I get to come to work every day to learn from a group of young, brilliant Torah scholars who read biblical texts with fresh eyes and sensitivities. Now, after years of training and then learning from these creative readers, I decided it's just a shanda not to share their beautiful teachings with a wider audience. So, I'm inviting you to come with us on a brief journey through a small section of this week's Parsha. Partner with us, a group of young students and an old teacher, as we try to uncover layers of meaning through the sharing of questions, connections, inferences, and predictions. Let's begin by introducing and meeting our participants today. Hi, my name is Karen, and I'm in eighth grade. Hi, my name is Ezra, and I'm in fifth grade. Hi, my name is Anair, and I'm in fourth grade. Welcome. I'm so excited to learn Torah with you today. You, just like the listeners of the podcast, have no idea what we're about to study. I'm going to give it away right now. We are going to look at Parashat Va'era in the book of Shmot, the book of Exodus. We'll be reading chapter 7, starting at Pasuk 8, going to approximately 13. And if you're listening in and you want to hit pause right now so you can read those verses, if you don't have a humash, if you don't have a Bible at home, you can click in our show notes on the link and it will take you right to a website with the verses we're going to be studying. Don't worry if you want to just come along with us right now because... Our participants here today are going to interpret, as they say in Hebrew, al regel echat, on one foot, just as they're coming to read it now. Let's have a volunteer to read for us as we pick up the story after Moshe has run away after killing an Egyptian taskmaster, encounters a burning bush which tells him, go back and face Pharaoh and get him to let your people go. Adonai said to Moshe and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Give yourselves credibility by displaying a marvel. You, Moshe, should then say to Aharon, Take your rod and throw it down before Pharaoh. It will become a serpent. Good, let's stop there. We'll start, as we usually do in class, with any questions or observations. Why a serpent? There are a lot of other dangerous animals. Why does it have to be a serpent? I think that it might be a serpent, because it's signaling that it's very movable and can go into different shapes. It might look like a staff and then become a serpent. Good. So Ezra thinks the serpent has a sort of staff-like quality to it. It sort of looks like a staff, but it could transform. And then it, it would move around and be kind of dangerous. So I just want to point out something about the serpent. Did anybody see in Hebrew what it says for serpent? Tanin. Tanin. Does anybody know what tanin is? Tanin is kind of like a crocodile or an alligator. Okay, so a crocodile. Does that change it at all? Yes, Ezra. I think it might change my first idea because if it says that it's a crocodile, a crocodile is not like a serpent besides that they're both reptiles. And it's more sturdier, solid, just like a staff. So it's not really changing shape. It's just becoming more dangerous. I think it's a crocodile because there is Egyptian gods. They have like, uh, they have crocodile heads. Like I know that there's um, 
like kind of a new business servant. If you don't pass the test to like go to the afterlife, he eats you up and destroys you. So kind of maybe he's symbolizing to a pharaoh if you if you don't let us go, we'll destroy you. Beautiful. So you think Moshe and Aharon know a little bit about Egyptian mythology, Egyptian gods, and they're like, hey, this is a clue to you if you don't let us go. Well, probably, yeah, because Moses was in Egypt for pretty much a long time. Like, he probably learned all the Egypt, almost all the Egyptian myths. Okay, so of all the Egyptian gods, you're going with crocodile because it has something to do with the passage to the afterlife. If I were to tell you that there is a crocodile god, and the crocodile god is named Sobek, and Sobek is the protector of the pharaoh, would that make a difference? I think it would make a difference because if the crocodile is the protector of pharaoh and he sees a crocodile on the other side, he might think, oh no, my guardian has turned on me. Well, let's see, Ezra, if you're right. I'm going to need a new reader, and this time we're going to go on to 10. Who's going to read 10 for us? Go ahead, Anair. Moshe and Aharon came to Pharaoh, and they did exactly as Adonai commanded them. Aharon threw his rod before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Pharaoh, too, called his wise men and magicians. The sorcerers of Egypt also did likewise with their magic art. When each man threw down his rod, they, the rods, became serpents, and our own rod swallowed all their rods. Okay, we're going to stop there. Go ahead, Ezra. Well, I still think that Pharaoh would be scared, but when he calls on his wise men and his magicians, and they did likewise with their magic art, I think that means that Pharaoh wasn't daunted by their serpent, even though it says that Aharon's rod ate the other rods. Well, shouldn't it say Aharon's serpent or crocodile swallowed their crocodiles? I think that after Pharaoh's magicians also turned the rods into a crocodile, so maybe God changed the serpents back into rods and then a rod eating another rod is like not really a thing as opposed to a serpent eating another serpent like even further impress him maybe. So what you're saying, Karen, is uh, Pharaoh says, Moses, Aaron, great trick. I've got people who can do that too. But then all of them, after the magicians change them into crocodiles, everything turns back into a rod. Everyone's like, whoa, who did that? And then one rod eats the other rods. And Pharaoh's like, what? Rods don't eat rods. I have another question, though. It says that Pharaoh called his wise men magicians. Why would he try to impress them by showing Moses and Aharon that he also has the serpents when he could have said, you're just two men, why don't I just kill you now? Beautiful. I love that question. I'm hoping someone could, because Pharaoh could just say, get out. Nice trick. Get out. Yes, Karen? I think it shows that he doesn't think that it's impressive that they were able to turn the rod into a serpent because his men were able to do that too. So it's not like a big deal for them to be able to do that. And it's no accomplishment. So there's no reason for him to let them go because it's not impressive. Yeah, but Karen, if someone came to the president of the United States and said, I have the most amazing magic trick to show you. Watch this, nothing up my sleeve and presto. Do you think the president would say, oh, that's nothing. My uh, vice president can do that too. Or the president could say, 
Um, you're a bit crazy coming in to show me magic tricks. Please get out of my room right now. I think that Pharaoh is the weak one here because it seems that when Aharon and Moshe came in, I think only those two and Pharaoh were in there. And Pharaoh was like, oh no, I can't compete with these guys. So then he's calling his sorcerers who can do the same things. So I think he's scared, actually. And he wants other people to show that he is not scared. Oh, that's amazing, Ezra. So you're saying in the beginning it was Pharaoh, Moses, and Aaron. Pharaoh's like, I can handle these two guys. They throw down. It becomes a serpent. He's like, oh, my God, I can't handle them. I need backup. Then he brings in the sorcerers. Fortunately, they can do it. And then he's like, ha, okay. But then when their rods get swallowed, I think Pharaoh gets scared again because now they don't have any serpents. And even though he has more people to share his fear with, they don't have any powers that we know of. All right, we're going to go on. Who hasn't read yet? 13. Pharaoh's heart remained hard, and he did not listen to them, just as Adonai had foretold. Adonai said to Moshe, Pharaoh's heart is heavy. He refuses to let the people go. Okay, we're going to stop there. Yes, Ezra. What I don't get is why Adonai is telling Moshe that Pharaoh's heart is heavy. He should probably know that by now if he was, like, kicked out and ran away. Um, I have a question. It says that his heart became heavy. What do you think that means? Can anyone read the Hebrew where it says the heart became heavy? Ezra, you found it? Kaved lev pao. Okay, so this is a strange thing Karen says. His heart became heavy. What exactly is that supposed to mean? When Egyptians died, the people thought that they would go to the afterlife where their heart would be weighed against a feather. If their heart was lighter than the feather, then they'd be allowed to go in the afterlife because they were a good person. And if their heart was heavier than the feather, then Anubis would eat their soul. All right, so this then ties in with what Aner said earlier. He said in that whole sequence of the pharaoh going on to the afterlife, there's a crocodile, and now you're saying there's a heavy heart involved too. Aner, you wanted to add? Yeah, so your heart is weighed against the feather of truth. And if your heart is not lighter than the feather of truth, then, yeah, there's a beast with a crocodile head that will eat you up. And I think by the fact that they said his heart was heavy, which means he won't go to the afterlife. He was doing something cruel. Yeah, I agree. I think that by not letting the people go, his heart got heavy, so it shows what might happen later when he's going to the afterlife, that his heart will be heavy because of this action, and he won't be able to go to the afterlife, and he'll get eaten by the crocodiles, which were mentioned earlier. I think his heart became heavier when Aharon... Our conversation continued with many more beautiful insights about fear and foresight, but I don't want to steal the thunder from your possible partnering with friends and family and discussion I did want to offer some final thoughts. If you got lost in all the Egyptian, ancient Egypt theology and gods, you can find links in our show notes to videos and pictures describing the afterlife scene that was discussed, the judgment scene in which there's a heart and a crocodile. And if you thought that the staff 
was supposed to turn into a snake, a Nahash? Well, Moshe's staff did turn into a snake when he was given a sign at the burning bush way back in chapter 4. But this time, it's Aharon's staff, and it turns into a tanin. Even Rashi, the great commentator that everyone turns to first, even Rashi conflates the two. When he comments on the word tanin, he gives a one-word definition, nachash. The tanin is just a snake. They're synonyms. But my students aren't the only ones to see that the word has meaning and might give insight. Yosef ben Yitzchak Bechor Shor, a commentator living in the 12th century, notices that the swallowing of crocodiles is a foreshadowing of Pharaoh's future. Bechor Shor writes, reading the serpent, this hints that Pharaoh, the mighty serpent, will be swallowed up and eliminated from the world. So how does he go about conflating Pharaoh and the serpent? Well, he turns to Yechezkel, Ezekiel, where Pharaoh is described as Paro, Melech Mitzrayim, Hatanim Hagadol, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the big, big Tanim. And Behor Shor notes that swallowing comes up again shortly at the Sea of Reeds when the Egyptian army is swallowed by the waters. So he too says this is the future, but I think my students' reading is a little bit more nuanced. In their reading, this is an early judgment scene. If you look in the picture that I offered in the notes, you will see a crocodile-headed god, Amut, ready to eat the heart of the pharaoh. This is it, pharaoh. Are you ready to stand for truth and justice, or are you going to give up your claim on posterity on the afterlife? And pharaoh, well, pharaoh goes with the heavy heart. What do you think? We'd love to have you become our partner in Parsha Study. In the notes to this episode, you'll find a link to our website. And there you'll find a button to share a voicemail. Click on it. It's your chance to tell us something you were inspired by or even something we missed. We'll include your ideas in future podcasts. Then join us next week as we have three new young scholars to study Parashat Bo, the final three plagues. We look forward to studying with you then. Then.